in Luke 5, there's a story about the disciples having fished all night and caught nothing. And Jesus comes along and he wants to use the boat for a preaching platform. So it says, after Jesus got done talking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the nets. It's just like kind of Becky's exhortation a few minutes ago. How many times we sit kind of idle or, or kind of numb or kind of in a, a spiritual um, sleep. But what would we say today? At your word, I will. The service is not over. We're believing that everyone's going to be experiencing God in some way, that God's going to speak to you, He's going to touch you. Maybe at the end of the service you would say, well, I don't feel like anything's happened. Why don't you just get up and have someone pray for you? Why don't you say, at your word, I will, and take a step of faith. Let God fill you. Let God move on you. Let God break you out of any kind of uh, places that you're stuck. Maybe you're feeling really good. Get up and have someone pray for you anyway. Get a breakthrough. Push through. Move forward. My message, I want to thank uh, Laura Mermis today for my message. Because I sent a prayer request for Bruce Gessick the other day. And she just sent me back uh, John 17, 11 through 20. And I thought, wow, this is so a word of God. Talking about the world and the reality that we have in this world. There's two different things when we talk about the world. There's the world that God created, the earth, the land, the sky, the sea, the water, the trees, the mountains, all the good things that the earth brings to us, the food, the places of recreation. But there's another world that Jesus talked about. It's the world that's secular. It's the world that um, has to do with the kingdoms of this world. It's the world that has to do with the things that Satan does to destroy us in the world, the sin and everything that happens. <clears throat> so I want to read a few scriptures, and then I want to kind of go through um, these verses. And it's in John 17, I'm reading out of the New King James, and then I'm going to go verse by verse out of the New Living Translation. Jesus is talking to the Father. We know he's about ready to go to the cross. And he's having this little dialogue with God. And we get to understand really where we're at today and how the world relates to us and how we're to relate to the world. And he says to God, Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father, Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, talking about his disciples and the people that began to follow him, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scriptures may be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Andrea, you were praying about our joy. We're supposed to have that joy. It's a joy that's in Jesus Christ, and it doesn't necessarily come from the world. The world can give us temporal happiness, but it can't give us lasting joy that Jesus is talking about here. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. 
They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for your sakes, I sanctify myself, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. Jesus is talking about us. Jesus is relating this world and what we understand about this world and the things that we struggle about this world. But we are members, the moment we accept Jesus Christ, we are members of an eternal world and eternal kingdom. Right now, those of us who have received Jesus Christ, we may be living on this earth, we may be living in this world, but we are no longer of this world. We are eternal. You could travel today any place in this world and be in another place, but still be in this world. No matter we go, where we go or what we do, we are in Jesus Christ. We are in the kingdom of God. And so what is it like if we die? We just leave out of this body. It's like flying to another planet. We fly out to heaven and we're with him. We are in Christ right now. It doesn't matter what we think, what we feel, the circumstances that we're under, whatever attacks we're going through, whatever unbelief we face, we are in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are in the kingdom of God. We are citizens and residents of the kingdom of God. We are saints that have access to the throne of God and to the word of God. And our prayers are powerful in Jesus Christ. So let's kind of walk through these scriptures, these ten scriptures. Well, actually nine, nine scriptures. Jesus is talking to the Father about his followers. And he says in verse 11, Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in the world, but I am coming to you. Wow, Jesus, thank you. You're checking out and going to heaven, and we have to stay here. <laughs> Excuse me. We know as Jesus went into the, into the kingdom of God, into heaven, we know that he went as our representative. We know he went to the very throne of God and offered his, his blood and his life as that lamb of sacrifice for our sins so that we could be clean and free from sin and free from the world, from Satan, the God of this world, and have this relationship with God and have access to be overcomers in, in, what, in the things that affect us in this world. We are protected by the power of God's name. I hope you really can grab a hold of the power you have in using God's name in your life and in your circumstances, in your situations. I was waiting to go get some stuff for uh, breakfast for the guys yesterday, and it was really pouring. And I didn't really want to drive to McDonald's, and so I just simply prayed, Lord Jesus, would you stop the rain? About two minutes later, the rain stopped, and I went to McDonald's. <laughs> God gives us power to use his name. In the second part of verse 11, Jesus goes on and says, Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that we will be united just, so they will be united just as we are. In that place, we're thinking like, well, what does that mean to be protected by God? That you prayed this to God and you declared that we have this protection because we're in you. What does that mean? Sometimes we think like, uh, does that mean um, 
everything's going to go good or whatever. No, Jesus said we're going to have trials, tribulations, persecutions, problems. So we know that this is what's going on. But the protection that really comes is over our faith in Jesus Christ. The protection over us is to keep us so that we can keep using the name of the Lord, keep believing no matter what circumstances that we're in until we overcome. Doesn't mean we not, might not die or whatever, but there's a protection and a preservation, yes, even of your physical life, that you can live out the destiny that God has declared for you, that you might fulfill His will in your body on this earth, that you might use the gifts that He's given you to carry it out. We know He prayed right now for the protection of the disciples who He was talking about, but also He's talking in these scriptures about us, those of us who will believe because of the generations that heard the message of the gospel from those 12 disciples, and now we're here and we've accepted it too. So that protection is on us to have our faith established and strong in God. In Job 1.21, Job said, When he had lost everything in his greatest trial, I came naked from my mother's womb, and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had, and the Lord has taken it away. Taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. As we, again, capture the, the key that we have in living an overcoming life and praising the Lord in every circumstance and praising the Lord continually, we are caught up into the realm of the miraculous, in that realm of the supernatural where God lives and we're called to live with, that we can overcome, that we can praise God through no matter what because we know God is taking us through something and He's developing our faith and our courage in Him and who He is and what He's doing in our life. In verse 12, Jesus said, During my lifetime here, I protect them by the power of the name you have given me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures told. Using the name. Have you used the name before? Has that you used that name when you've needed protection, when you felt fearful, when the enemy was trying to intimidate you? The name of the Lord is incredible in Proverbs 18.10, it says, The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it and are safe. Job experienced that strength in the name of the Lord, even though he had lost everything. There was something deep inside of him. It was that faith in the Almighty God, faith in the God who had blessed him, that he could thank God when everything was gone. And that is the faith that God has given to us, and the call we have that we are living in his kingdom, to keep believing and using the name of God no matter what we go through. He is called the great I am, the all-powerful one. Have you ever called out in a crisis for Jesus? Keep calling out. I know sometimes we feel intimidated by our own soul and our own self when we're in crisis and we want to scream out Jesus, but we may be intimidated by people around us. Call out on Jesus anyway. They curse him out loud. Let's praise him out loud. Let's call on him. Let's call on his name because he's our help. In Romans 10, 13, it's, Paul wrote, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We're always encouraging people to come to Christ, to hear the message of the gospel, and to call on the Lord Jesus Christ that they might receive salvation, the forgiveness of their sins, and be born again and come alive in their spirit. 
The words of Jesus bring us joy. Jesus continues his dialogue with the Father, and he says, Now I'm coming to you, and I told them many things while I was with them in this world, so that, we, so that they would be filled with my joy. If you have one, a Bible that has Jesus' words in red, it's kind of like an advantage you have because you can read every word that Jesus said in the Gospels. And sometimes places that he's quoted in the, the epistles, that his words are in red. And it is the words of Jesus that we draw on because they're living words, because he was the living word of God, that we can grab onto and hold onto when we need an anchor for our life, when we need an anchor in the situations that we face and the things that we are going through. And so the Word of God becomes that place where we can derive joy from something that is solid, rock, and secure. The Word of God gives us a stability and a joy when we can't find it in the world or, or because of situations that we are going through in our life. The Word of God tells us where we belong. In John seven fourteen, Jesus continues with the Father, and he says, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they, are no, they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. We live in the world, but we are not of the world. Each generation is offered ways to belong to this world. The God of this world keeps blinding people to the gospel and offering them futile, temporal things to take away their attentions about the real things in life, like they're going to die someday, and do they have their eternal life insurance? Every day the world changes the way to belong. Every generation is offered something new to belong to this world and this temporal environment. The world no longer holds us when we have Christ. The evil one is in the world. In John 17, 15, Jesus said to the Father, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Safe from the evil one. Each one of us must know in our heart what that means for us, to be safe from the evil one. Is it temptations? Is it the enemy who flies over our mind and gives us tempting thoughts and then makes us feel like they're our own? when they're really just thoughts to distract us from our faith in Jesus Christ and to discourage us as Christians and to cause us to think we are less than who we are in Christ, that we are saved, we are blood-bought, we are washed, we are free from sin because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. But the evil one has access and the demonic spirits have access to fly over our mind and drop thoughts and irritations and agitations. He uses the things we see in the world and the news we hear to discourage us and to cause us to draw back to get us to live under this world and the atmospheres of darkness that the enemy is perpetrating and pro pro progressively uh, trying to influence over our mind, will, and emotions. The world that Jesus is talking about is, called, is identified in 1 John 2.16. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. That position we once had was with Satan being the God over us, the God of this world. He was our father because of the sin nature passed on to us through Adam and Eve. And so he ruled over us 
until we received Jesus Christ, until we understood his contract with us, that God had a different way for us to live than to be under Satan, the God of this world, and to come under uh, the lusts of the flesh and the things that distract us, the pride of our lives, those things that would separate us from the love of God and what God has for us. You are one who overcomes. In 1 John 5, 4 and 5, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. That means everyone who asks Jesus Christ to come into their life, they've already been given the power to overcome the world. And every temptation and distraction that Satan can throw at us has been given to us because we're born again. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? God is keeping us safe through this prayer that Jesus prayed and because Jesus is interceding for us with the Father because of the faith that was deposited into our hearts the moment we accepted Jesus. We have the ability to draw on that protective power of God through our faith in Jesus Christ. Again, we understand that many people have died for their faith in Jesus Christ, but really, even in dying, Satan could never touch their real life. They just went to heaven a little earlier. We're to fight to believe. Do you know your faith is under constant attack from the world? All you have to do is watch five minutes on the news and feel fearful, discouraged, hopeless, and like you're about ready to end your life. But in 1 Timothy, Paul tells us, and as he told Timothy in verses 12 from chapter 6, fight the good fight of faith, Lay hold on eternal life, to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. It may not feel like a good fight, but every time you fight thoughts and fears and uh, unbelief and you fight your own flesh that would not, not want you to pray or read your word, you are fighting a good fight of faith. God is our teacher in John 17, 16, and 17, Jesus goes on. They, he said, believers do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Jesus asked God to be our personal teacher. Well, God's answer to that was to send the Holy Spirit, our substitute teacher. Jesus, the teacher, had gone to heaven. Remember all the times he had got up and spoke in the sanctuary, in the tabernacles, in the synagogues, and he taught them the word. They called him teacher. They called him rabbi. But as he was going away, he knew we were going to continue to need another teacher. In John 14, 26, Jesus tells us who that teacher is. The Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to remembrance of all things that I said to you. So even as we find ourselves digging through the words of Jesus in the gospel, the Holy Spirit is taking those truths and rooting them deep in our heart and our spirit so that they can bring forth fruit to build a faith, an overcoming faith in our life. Jesus continues to send us out into the world. That's why the enemy 
intimidates all of us with thoughts and feelings about ourselves. Disqualifying us is because we are to go into the world. We have a mission to share who we are in Christ and what Christ has done. The message of salvation, that there is new life in Jesus Christ, that there is forgiveness of sins and ability to be born again and made alive and have relationship and fellowship with God. And everything the enemy does is to stop that. The things that he gives us distracted of in the world and fearful about the world, intimidated with our who we are, that we don't want to open our mouth and share Jesus, it's all because we have a mission and we have a call to share the gospel. In John 17, 18 and 19, Jesus is still talking to the Father. And he says, Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give, them my, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. We are holy the moment we ask Jesus Christ to come into our life. We are being made holy as we let God deal with our, our old nature and put those things in order, deal with our past, but we're already holy, but we're in this process of becoming holy, and when we're dead and we're in heaven, we will totally be completely holy. So don't let, because you're in process, intimidate you from not opening your mouth and sharing with Jesus someone. The world is dark. Our nation is becoming darker and darker every day. There is such backbiting and lying going on in our government and with people in authority that people are being confused and they don't know who to believe. It is all the tool employ of the enemy to create division and unbelief. We are to uphold our leaders. We are to uphold people with prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to move in a powerful way to bring revival in our land that people would repent and turn to God. But it is us who are the salt and light of this world. It is us who are going to open our mouths and share Jesus with people. It is us who can pray with people and bring people the knowledge of Jesus Christ that they might come out of the lies of the enemy and come out from the confusion of this dark world. We have been sent on a rescue mission to rescue lost sinners for Jesus. We are to rescue people from Satan in this demonic world. Don't be afraid of the world. Jesus goes with you. Jesus is praying for us. It's a very comfort to know. It's kind of nice in this church to have people pray. I love getting with the intercessors every week and having them pray. I always feel encouraged. I can share my heart. I can share what I'm struggling with and come out, burdens lifted. We pray for you. We pray on Wednesdays. There's different prayer pockets uh, during the, the week that go on that are praying for you. Many of you have had people pray for you. And how many can raise your hand? You know the difference. When people pray for you, you have felt the difference when people are praying for you. Yes. Okay, add on top of that, Jesus himself is praying for you. At the throne of the Father, he's praying for you. When you feel like you're all alone, you're under attack, you're not going to make it, Jesus is praying for you. He's praying over your finances. He's praying over your health. He's praying over your mental health. He's praying over your emotional health. He's praying about your physical condition. He's praying about your spiritual life. He's praying that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and that you'll use every gift, talent, ability that's available to you that the Holy Spirit wants to give you. And who knows? You might keep going to the place where you have to get more gifts that he gives to you because you are just rising up and filling every place that Jesus has determined for you to have. Now I want to change gears. I want to talk about the Lord hears our prayers. In Proverbs 29b, it says, The Lord hears the prayer of the righteous. 
Now, when you hear that, I know the enemy can be echoing in some of you sins or things that you've done or feelings or things you feel like are not completely put away yet. It says that Jesus hears the prayer of the righteous. We are righteous by our own works. By who? Jesus. And who's interceding for us right now? So, Jesus is hearing our prayers. Don't stop praying. And don't stop praying just because your physical eyes don't see the answers. You don't know what's going on to get the answer to you. Pray. Keep praying. Jesus hears your prayers. Keep praying because you're a righteous person because Jesus has made you righteous. This final thing is, is something I hope you'll grab today. And it's simply, it's, it's like this. Affirm what God has promised you. Like, say amen to what Jesus has said to you. And it all starts in Luke 1.38. Mary, the mother of Jesus, said to the angel who told her she would have a son and his name would be Jesus. She told her, him, she told her, the angel told her this. And then this was her response. Let it be to me according to your word. We know this lady was a little girl, young girl, and she gets, meets this angel, and he tells her she's going to get pregnant, and she's going to have a baby. Now, right at the onset, you would think, like, come on. You think she was thinking about being gossiped about? Here she is a spouse to Joseph and they're not married and she's going to be pregnant? You think of all these things that came against her and we know that were, even Joseph was thinking about putting her away. But she said, let it be to me according to your will. How many times are your word, how many times would we, would we um, kind of doubt the promises that God has given us? Right now, can you think of promises that have been made to you? Can you think of some impossible things that are standing against those things that you're believing for? And has it been a challenge for you to believe some of the promises of God? You have to say today, let it be to me according to your word. There has to be a declaration over the things that God has said to you. There has to be a declaration over the promises that you've received, over the things that you glean out of the word of God. There has to be something in you that says, let it be to me according to your word. Something that causes you to rise up in your spirit and go against your feelings and your doubts, your mental condition, the, the sleepiness you feel, and you say, let it be to me, God, according to what you said. I'm not going to look at my circumstances today. I'm not going to look at the way I feel. I'm looking at what you promised. I tell there's a powerful thing when we can do that.